the cheeseheads who want it fresh and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral. This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And the trade deadline has come and gone. Lots of action around the league. I think it was like the most active trade deadline ever. Um, just not at 1265 Lombardi Ave. So, Barry, we saw the NFC North making moves. We'll talk about those in just a second. But were you surprised when uh, when the deadline came and passed? Or did it just kind of feel like something that we had maybe talked ourselves into, but the Packers were never going to be as aggressive as we thought? No, I'm surprised when the Packers make a move, not when yeah. they don't. Like, this was very on par with them. And it sounds like they made, like, a valiant effort. But we've said this before on the show, like it takes two to tango in a trade. So the Packers can offer up a second round pick for Chase Claypool. But if the Steelers decide to send him to the Bears instead, there's really nothing that Brian Gutekinds can do. And quite frankly, I don't want him overpaying for anybody right now. Like a second round pick is pretty rich for Chase Claypool. That's a great offer. So I understand why people are upset because obviously this team has a lot of holes and I think it would have been nice to pick up a player, but I'm not like overly emotional that they didn't get anybody. Yeah. I thought Aaron Rodgers had some really poignant comments kind of about that whole situation after the trade deadline had passed Wednesday at his locker. And he was just saying, and you know, I think sometimes as fans, we kind of forget this, like this isn't the offense, the Packers offense that we were expecting to see to start the season. We thought David Bakhtiari would be back fully. We thought Elton Jenkins would be back fully. You know, we expected to have Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, uh, Sammy Watkins has been dealing with injuries. So all of the receiving core, you know, you've got Tunyon coming back from an ACL. Like if you're talking about an offense that on paper was full strength, it looks a lot different than what the Packers have had to work with week in and week out. And, you know, Rogers has said like, there's a consistency thing there. It's really tough when you have a different offensive line every week, you know, to, to learn protections and you're expecting to have, you know, number nine available last week, Watson to, to run so many of their, their scheme. And then a lot of those plays they couldn't use because he got injured on the first series. So, you know, I don't think that the vibe in the locker room was that they really necessarily felt like they needed the talent. They just needed their guys back to be healthy. And I know that is a caveat, right? Like you see teams, the Vikings lose Irv Smith and they go and get TJ Hawkinson, which is huge for them in an already really talented offense. But, you know, I think a lot of it was just the Packers felt very comfortable with the guys that they had. And unfortunately, those guys just haven't been available yet this season. Yeah, or haven't been playing up to expectations of where they thought they would be. I understand fans' sides of things, though. Like, I've seen a lot of fans who are upset saying, like, why kind of go all in, give Aaron Rodgers this huge contract, and then not surround him potentially with the pieces that are good enough to actually make a run and be in on this season. And I understand that perspective from like a hindsight like hindsight they drafted three wide receivers right neither of them are were instant successes they may be in the future I think we've seen glimpses especially of Romeo Dobbs that he will be but not this season you have two of your tackles who are still battling injuries you've had a couple of second third year guys who aren't making jumps that you hope for like the Packers, I think, bet on development, which is what they always bet on. Um, but I can understand why fans are saying, like, you went in on 50 mil with Rodgers. 
you know, why not just keep going in if if you're going to be paying him and he has this cap hit and he's here, like just just do the damn thing with him. Um, I, it's just not the Packers way. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think the Packers are an example that the media loves to use, too, because the Packers historically are contenders and you see the rest of the contending teams kind of going all in and you know, these aren't moves that most teams would make if they didn't have like the guy at quarterback. So you've got, you know, pundits and analysts talking about how the Packers need to be one of the teams to make a move, but they never are like, it's not their style. And we talked about it a little bit kind of on the bills recap show about expectations for the team. And, you know, maybe if draft and develop only works to a certain extent, at some point you have to kind of change your strategy. And it just never felt like this was a front office that is going to change their strategy. So I'm I'm really curious, I guess, to see if, you know, it sounds like the rumor mill churning that there may be in on OBJ that, again, is going to come down to him wanting to go wherever he wants to go. We saw last season that reportedly they were in on OBJ, and then he said, yeah, I'm going to go play in L.A. and not Green Bay, Wisconsin, where it's negative 20, and I have to scrape my car off. So, do, I mean, do you think this team is, like, the team? you think Goody's going to add anybody, like, street free agents? It's possible, but... No, I mean the trade deadlines pass. Like this is this is right. the team. Um, unless there's happens to be some difference maker that's still a free agent at the moment, which besides OBJ being hurt, there really isn't. I even looked and Anthony Harris got picked up on the Broncos practice squad. So if you're hoping to get some kind mm. of safety help, <laughs> it's not there. It's not coming. No, this is this is this is what they're working with. Yeah, I know a lot of Packer fans got really excited thinking that the Texans were going to cut Brandon Cooks because he's disgruntled now and doesn't sound like that's going to happen, guys. So Not with you know, this, email <laughs> this team yeah. is the team. Um, okay, so let's let's really quickly, because we do obviously have a Lions game to preview, let's talk about TJ Hawkinson because he was leading the Lions in receiving yards. He was second on the team in targets. He had three touchdowns for the Lions this season. And now all of a sudden he's gone now playing for the Vikings who are sitting in first place in the division. So I was shocked personally when that happened, just because interdivision trades are wild. Yep. Yeah. Interdivision trades make no sense to me. I mean, I understand what both sides get out of it, but I could not imagine from the Lions perspective, sending one of your best playmakers, I'd say probably top two, Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson are the Lions best playmakers you send one of them to a team that is deficient in the tight end position. They're already first in your division. They are the team to beat right now in the NFC North. And you decide to send them this player there. Like that decision-making makes no sense to me. Obviously the Vikings pulled out a great trade. I think they overpaid a little bit, but at the same time, TJ Hawkinson is a young ascending player and he's going to fit really, really nicely into that, Vikings offense so as a Packers fan I hate it because I think he's going to be utilized even more um, and just be be better in the Vikings offense at the moment with um, O'Connell but very strange trade very strange yeah and I think one of the things that you know is confusing to me is we talk about this Lions team rebuilding and having you know certain mm-hmm. pieces that they can hang their hat on on offense and defense like You've got, we thought, 
TJ Hawkinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, like they had a piece just at about every position. And if you're thinking about them potentially even garnering the first pick of the draft, they could have their pick at a young quarterback and then they've already got all these weapons established for him. So I thought from that perspective, it was kind of weird to say like, you know, I thought he was going to be like one of their staples on offense for mm-hmm. a young quarterback to build around. So that yeah, felt build around guy. getting rid of him, but yeah. So let's talk about the Lions offense then in general, because the Packers are going there on Sunday. They will be playing in Detroit and the Lions at home, I think, are putting up like 35 points a game, which is just crazy to think about. They're ninth in the league right now in points for they're averaging 24.7 points a game. But again, skewed wildly when they're home, about 35 points a game. And yeah, it's- but how many points are they giving up? <laughs> <laughs> it's Cause- not uh, not something we expected from this uh, Lions team. Yeah, it's not like I think it's like perspective there yes they're putting up points but they're also giving up points right they're one and six so while they may be putting up 30 they're also giving up 35 and losing these games even at home I'm curious to see what this offense looks like without TJ Hawkinson like I said just because he has been such a building like a staple piece 1a on this list of players to watch out for is Amon Ross St. Brown, right? The the Lions have a star. They have a stud um, in that wide receiver room. He is a bona fide number one. He has proven to be just, I, I have a such a player crush on him. Like I cannot say enough thing. I think he's phenomenal. So if you're going to have a game, we talked about this pre-show where potentially you really do have Jair Alexander shadow, they're number one. Like this feels like the game because Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, you know, the rest of their weapons. I mean, we got Jamal Williams on here, who the Packers are are obviously very familiar with. They're not barn burners. Like, this isn't like the Bills where they have a plethora of weapons that this team kind of has to play zone against in order to cover everybody. Like, you really have to focus on Amon Ra and the run game. And I think in order to do that, you can put Jair on him and just – hope that Sewell and Stokes and the rest of this defense can cover everybody else. I think that's feasible. Um, That's how I feel about their, their weapons and like the game plan that the Packers should have. Yeah, I agree with you. And I mean, the Packers still looked pretty solid in the passing game against the bills. Gabe Davis was ultimately shut down for most of that game. You know, Stefan Diggs got his because he's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You know, you can make whatever argument you want that maybe that doesn't happen against Jair, but you know, they get paid too. We saw Terry McLaurin go after Jair a couple weeks ago. So I do, I agree with you from that perspective to me, this game kind of comes down to Jamal Williams, which is really weird to say, but He's got eight touchdowns so far in the season. We know they're not going to see Devondre Swift or, you know, we're assuming we're not going to see him. He's still on the injury report, very limited, not practicing with the injury. But Jamal Williams has had a heck of a season so far, and the Packers are just not committing to the run game. It's been very difficult for them to, you know, stop these long sustained drives. And Jamal Williams is that kind of kind of road grader who can just like, pick up two yards when you need two yards. And I think that's going to be one of the keys for the lions on Sunday is to just keep, you know, keep burning the clock and keep these long drives and get that Packers defense gassed because historically they will give up chunk yardage when their offense is going three and out and they've got to trot back onto the field. So Jamal Williams to me is the kind of the key to success for Sunday, which is, is 
almost heartbreaking to say. <laughs> yeah, that bruiser back. And it's going to be a little bit more difficult without, you know, Devontae Campbell out there in the middle of the defense. And depending on what this D-line looks like, the Packers have uh, a couple of key injuries. I think ideally Preston Smith will will be playing and he's been pretty key in the run game as well. So another piece of this, right, is Jared Goff. He's playing better ball than we've seen since his season that he took the Rams to the Super Bowl, but he still can be a a little bit of a finicky quarterback and gets decently rattled when there's pressure in his face. So hopefully with Rashawn Gary feeling fully healthy, he's not even on the injury report so far this week that we can get some pressure on Jared Goff and disrupt the rhythm of the Lions offense. Yeah, because I mean, that offense, it's like you said, I mean, they're they're in track meets with teams, right? Like, they're putting up a ton of points, but they're also giving up a ton of points. But they're fourth in the league right now in yards on offense. Like, they are moving the ball effectively. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with, you know, just playing smarter football. And it's like you said, you know, they're going to have Amon Ra back, which is significant. So we'll kind of see what the game plan is like there. But yeah, to me, to me, it's going to come down to the run game because this is just... It's it's the Achilles heel for the Packers. I think they're like 29th right now in the league on defense when it comes to rushing attempts and like 30th when it comes to rushing yards or something like that. It's just, yeah, 29th in yards, 25th in attempts for the Packers mm-hmm. defense. So just absolutely not good enough. Nope. Yeah, and it's likely going to be Quay Walker and Chris Barnes out there. Um, hopefully your regular rotational front, but they haven't been getting it done this season so far. I'm hoping that like, because it's a common opponent in Jamal Williams, maybe that changes something a little bit. Like, you know, they know what he's got, but he's been having a great season for the lions and it's going to be the key to stopping, stopping this offense. Let's flip it then because, you know, for as much as we talked about this offense, scoring a lot of points, the defense is also giving up a ton of points. They are last in the NFL in points against. They're giving up an average of 32 points a game, 225 points on the season. And to be fair, the Packers, you know, their offense is not putting up a ton of points. But this could maybe be the week that everything starts to click for a Green Bay Packers offense. Yes, fingers crossed. If you're not watching a video of this and you are listening to the audio, crossing the fingers that this is the week that the offense puts things together. Sounds like maybe Christian Watson would be able to come back. He's progressing through the protocol. Roger sounded optimistic that Lazard would be back. Um, so I think at that point, you're talking about an offense that's relatively at full strength, depending on what happens with David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. If they can both go, I think that changes everything for this Packers front and what they're able to do as far as moving the ball. Because Roger said, like, you're not going to win in this league. You're not going to win games if you can't get the ball down the field. But if you don't have the protection to stand in the pocket and get the ball down the field, you're removing like 50% of your game. So exactly. There's a lot of like moving pieces on this offense this season and a lot of variables, I would say, that have led to their inability to score points. I think if we see the offense that came out against the Bills last week, that offense can beat the Lions. And I say that because they were moving the ball incredibly well on the ground. They were able to get some big chunk plays from Rodgers and his receivers. I think if, you know, you're going up against obviously a a worse defense. So hopefully you get those bigger plays down the field against the Lions than you do against the Bills. But 
in the same vein, I think this Packers team can win this game and be effective with their ground game as it was last week. Now, obviously with Alan Lazard and Tunyon and Dobbs, even just like stopping there, that's a trio that I think Rodgers is going to utilize and lean on a little bit more. Something about Alan Lazard being back just with that like level of security and him just like being Rodgers' one this year, I think will lead to a better passing attack. But regardless, if you get A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones moving and grooving, like I don't think much else matters. Now, for me, it's less about what this Packers offense is going to be able to do against the Lions defense and more like can they just not keep shooting themselves in the foot this week? Can you limit the amount of just unnecessary penalties? Can you, you know, keep up with this ball security momentum when you get down into the red zone? Can you get that ball in the end zone? I saw a stat this week that was saying that Aaron, while Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon have been, you know, a great tandem this season, they have very, very low production in the red zone so far this year. So I'd like to see Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers kind of use them to punch the ball in when they're at the goal line uh, and just get just get the ball in the end zone. I think this is a game. I know that they've been aggressive on fourth down. I think continue to be aggressive on fourth down in this game. Continue to like push the ball and just go for seven and not settle for three. Well, I do have good news. The Lions defense is 30th in the NFL in red zone. Um, They're allowing a touchdown on 73% of trips down there so it does it just feels kind of like a get right game for the Packers and division opponents obviously never are that they never go the way you think the Packers on paper quote unquote on paper should have won a lot more games this year than they have so you can never you know just look at the stats and make your predictions but I think that's what made the Bills game feel like less of a loss than it was is because we talked about it on the recap show where on paper when you looked at those stats they won the turnover battle they won time possession they were doing everything that you wanted to see them do to progress and give you confidence that they were going to have some things to build off of and I think this Lions team gives them a lot more opportunities to build off of their offense is really hit or miss the Lions offense in terms of they're either giving up like five turnovers when it comes to the Cowboys or they're playing a really clean game so if the Packers can win the turnover battle sustain drives get into the red zone like you said they're going to have opportunities to score this is a Lions defense that's 32nd in the league on third down conversions they're letting people convert 50 percent of the time so historically this season that's kind of where the Packers have struggled so they're going to have opportunities to move the football and hopefully that that's what gets their offense rolling and kind of unlock some things for them. Yeah. They just have to capitalize on these important moments. I want them to come in juiced up again. Like I know that it's a 1 PM game at Ford field, but I, I need them to come in like they did against the bills with that energy, have fun. I mean, we saw a flea flicker (laughs) against the bills, like come in with some of that momentum, some of those like fun trick plays, just Pull pull all the tricks out of the bag against this one because you have to win this game. You have to come out. You ha- offense has to look better. It has to click, and you have to put up points. And you must beat the Lions this week for your season. Yeah, I mean that's that's really what it comes down to. You know, it's hard to we said like against the Commanders, like you can't say oh, you know, going three and four is a season ender. Even against the Bills, three and five isn't necessarily a season ender. But if you drop another game to a division opponent in the NFC and you're sitting at three and six with only eight games left to play, that's it. I mean, I just, it seems insurmountable at that point. So 
I think, you know, we talked about this is not a very good Lions defense, but the one player that they have is Aiden Hutchinson mm-hmm. right now on the defense. And he, as you know, I guess maybe fortunately, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this. Like, is it better for the Packers that he is an edge rusher instead of kind of lining up over, over nose? Because that kind of interior pressure seemed like it was getting after the Packers more effectively. Like, yeah is Nyman going to be up to the the task this week at right tackle? Like that's, I think that's going to be one of the sticking points of this game is if Aaron Rodgers can get away from Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> they'll be able to move the ball. Well, hopefully they can like scheme up protections right. to double team Aiden Hutchinson, or at least make him ineffective. You know, if David Bakhtiari is playing, I imagine the Lions are going to want to move Hutchinson away from him and, you're right. I mean, the interior pressure has been the Achilles heel of this offensive line all season. So if I'm the Lions, I'm trying to get Aiden Hutchinson over the middle. But at the same time, they don't have much of anyone else. So I think just spending the entire the entire game double teaming him or at least scheming up rollouts, like doing what you need to do to get him away and around Aaron Rodgers is the key it makes it a lot easier when you don't have a second or third weapon that you have to protect against the Lions secondary is played okay but you know they they're kind of remind me of the Packers almost where there's they've got a lot of like young guys that are really promising but they haven't lived up to necessarily some of their potential yet so I guess comparison is not living up to their potential not the makeup of those rosters but Mm -hmm. you know Alex Anzalone leads the team in past pass defense with three and he's an inside linebacker so like you know there's just a lot of quirks with this lion secondary obviously they've got jeff akuda who's looked really good so far this season he doesn't have a pick yet on the year so i think there's going to be opportunities for rogers to to tell his receivers like go in your one-on-ones and i think that this is a secondary that the packers receivers will be able to especially you know if we see the kind of performances that dobbs and toure had against the bills where they were starting to kind of feel what rogers wanted from them in that rhythm of the offense so that's a question for you when it comes to who is going to be playing this game is there anybody from the bills game that you expect to have their snap count increase I do think it'll be Toure, and I think, you know, even if Lazard comes back, they want to get him more opportunities, and I thought it was really funny that um, Rodgers had said, like, in training camp, he gave Toure the nickname Captain Casual, <laughs> and he said that Toure didn't like it, and obviously it's not not a great nickname to have when you're a rookie, and it was just kind of the way that he practiced, and everything seemed kind of like half speed, and then Rodgers finally had a conversation with him about, like, I think we're going to need you. And I think you're going to be able to play some really meaningful snaps by the middle of the season. And then you just see Toure go out there and have the kind of performance that he did after Rogers had said he'd had like the best three weeks of practice, you know, to date. So I think that stuff is telling. And, you know, for as much as we talked about the comments that Rogers made about, you know, guys needing to have their snap count decrease if they're not performing or if they're making mistakes, like, I think that kind of stuff is what's really motivating some of these young guys because I thought Dobbs had one of his best games so far this season. The There were less like drops. It seems like there were less mental mistakes. And that's what they're going to need if they're actually going to be able to try and make a run for a wild card spot. Well, I think also what he meant by that was I want to reward the guys who are yeah. playing well um, against the ones that maybe just need some space from the field. I think he also mentioned that he had said to Samori, like, I think you're too talented to not be playing meaningful snaps for us, which 
when 12 singles anybody out, like we've seen, we saw it with Lazard. He literally went to, went to LaFleur and said, I want him on the field. And now look at what Lazard has blossomed into. Like 12 has an eye for this. So if he's saying, I want more Toure because look at what he's able to do and look at the talent that he brings to this team, then I hope we see more of him. I hope we see more of Amari Rogers in the offense. I think that it's been like quite unfair to him just because he's a bad teamer doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be bad in this offense. And without Randall Cobb, you need somebody in the slot. You simply do. And Rogers threw him a big pass against the bills, a big like chunk play back shoulder fade throw that Rogers doesn't just throw to anybody. And he made a big play. So I hope that he gets rewarded for that. And we see him a little bit more in this game really really happy to see kylan hill back because i think that also helps with the kick and punt return issue at the moment just bringing in someone new into that rotation kind of like juice up the position but i would really really like to see amari more in this taking more offensive snaps i agree and then the last one i've been thinking about is josiah deguara you know we talk about like mercedes lewis being basically a primary blocker which he's phenomenal at You've got Robert Tunyon who can kind of stretch the field and is a threat in the receiving game. And Josiah DeGuar is kind of like the, the Swiss Army knife in the back where he lines up. He was a lead blocker on a bunch of Aaron Jones runs last week. Like he can he can play the F, he can play in the slot. Like he can line up just about anywhere. And when he's, you know, getting his opportunities, he's making the most of them. He's had some really nice blocks. He's had a couple catches, but I would like to see him, I guess, more involved in the receiving game as well, beyond just what he can do as like a lead blocker, even though whenever he's on the field, he's given it 110%. He really is. He had a great game. And I think so much of what he was able to do won't show up on the stat sheet because it shows up under Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon's stats. But the run game was really, really phenomenal because of him. And he was out there blocking his ass off for pretty much everybody. And I think this Packers team and this Packers offense in particular works most effectively when everybody is bought in to what their assignments are, no matter what it is. It could be, like I said, not show up on the stat sheet. No one gets, you know, very few people, you know, we're the weirdos who notice when a tight end blocks effectively, but like you're not getting the recognition potentially that you feel like you deserve, but without you, that play falls apart. And that feels like what Josiah DeGuara's role has been so far. And I hope that they build off of that. And like you said, bring him more into the passing game just because of what he's been able to do for this offense. Yeah. So something I I did want to get your thoughts on, because I, I think it was kind of really interesting and something that maybe we kind of glossed over in the media because there was so much going on with like, you know, trade deadlines and things and, was the comment that was made post game by Rogers about how the bills game felt like the first time all season that they were fully ready to play and how concerning, or, you know, I guess if you're not concerned by it, that it is to hear those kind of comments when you've played seven games and you're going into your eighth game and now you're finally ready to play when the season is half over. Like, did you have any like thoughts on that or, you know, maybe kind of reading between the lines, what he was trying to say there. I think I understand what he meant. I think I agree with him, right? Like this team has kind of come out and and from the looks of it, as a fan sitting on my couch, I'm like, are you awake? Or, or do you know that like this game has started, right? And it, it did feel different. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I don't want this team to only come out with that energy when it's bright lights, Sunday night football against, you know, an opponent 
that is one of the best in the league. Like you have to bring that energy every single game, whether it's the Jets at home at one o'clock or 8.30 p.m. against the Bills. So I hope that it just continues forward and that he as a leader can kind of build off of that or at least utilize some of the guys that you could feel that energy off of like Jair. Um, I don't think he meant anything negative by it. I think he just likes to be honest when he's on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah. I mean, I totally like, I, I agree with all those things. I guess I just wonder like what was preventing them from having that kind of energy the first couple weeks. Like we talked about, you know, before the Vikings game, like this is a game that you, you would think you'd get up for. It's a division rival. Z is standing across from you. Who's having like, arguably he's on the pace, I guess, for a career here, even though he, we thought he just, you know, had one of those in green Bay a couple of years ago. Like, what do you think is preventing this team from, from going into games, having the juice because, you know, the bucks game, it's like, okay, yeah, we're playing Tom Brady. Like it felt like there was a storyline or there was something you could get up for every game. And especially when you started losing, it's like, we got to turn this thing around. We got to get some momentum. It just felt really interesting to me to hear that. Cause I agree that, yeah, I mean, it seems like this team kind of gets up in certain moments and I hope that that trend continues. I hope that they're fired up to go into Sunday and know that they have to kind of turn their season around. But sometimes you just wonder like, what's missing? Like where, where's the, where's the lack? Where's the, where's the hole, I guess, in the boat? It not in the locker room. So right. I don't know. I mean, we've been talking about it all season. It's just like the needing of leadership. I think the needing to like believe in themselves, like potentially going out and showing up against the Bills is kind of like what they needed to say, okay, we remember who we are, but whatever it is, it's in the past. And I think they need to like look forward. Yeah. And I thought it was was really interesting too at Rogers Locker. They asked him, you know, in 2016 when you said like, I feel like we can run the table did you necessarily believe that 100%? And he was like, well, not fully, but like it takes that kind of ownership. And he said, like, he's like, that I probably need to play at a more elite level and elevate the guys around me. So that kind of ownership, I think, is going to go a long way. Yeah, I mean, like this kind this kind of ownership, I think, is going to go a long way into guys just like buying in. And if we, I think if we, not to put too much stock on this Lions game, but if the Packers come out of this with a win, I think that we could actually see a turnaround because we know it's going to get challenging, right? They've got the Cowboys, they've got the Titans, they've got the Eagles. So if you can give them a win and get them to start feeling good, knowing they've got a home game coming up next, like I think it'll make a huge difference. Yeah. Let's go. Run Otherwise the, the season's over. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, so much. you either uh, run the table or close to it, or you're watching the playoffs at home on your couch. So I guess, you know, um, the former, yeah, I would prefer the former. Let's talk about score predictions before we wrap this thing up. I think this is going to be a closer than any Packers fan would want. I'm seeing like a 27, 24 victory. Okay. I'm going to take uh 31, 24. I'm going to say this is the game that the Packers get over 30. Finally for this. I've predicted that like six times, but <laughs> if I just keep doing it, maybe it'll happen. So I don't know. I feel good. I feel like this offense is going to get, get things rolling. I hope so. All right, cool. Well, that is all the time that we have today. This has been the PAX, which she said podcast. Thank you as always for listening to the show. We so appreciate it. You can find the podcast anywhere you listen to all of your favorite podcasts. Please remember to subscribe and download the show. If you like what we're doing, you can follow us on social media, on Twitter. It's at PWSS podcast. 
on YouTube, Twitch, and Instagram. It's at Pax What She Said. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. Packers Lions noon on Sunday in Ford Field. Thank you as always for listening. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.